So first, uh, you want to in- introduce yourself. I kind of want to give you a grand introduction, but mm-hmm. I'm worried I'll do it wrong. So, because <laughs> your last name, I don't know how to say I... it right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why people called me Matt P. Over That's time. what I like, call Matt you. P. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. So uh, my name is Mateusz Piaskiewicz. It's a tough one. Yeah, but uh, usually people call me Matt B, and it's it's great. And right now I'm a level designer. Where are you working at right now? Ah, oh, that's that's complicated a bit, because uh, okay. right now that I should have, be a simple question. <laughs> it should be. It starts awesome, man. <laughs> Okay, yeah, no, it's it's uh, only a bit complicated because I'm I have my own company, Ooh, which is like consulting, uh, but most of my work is a full time job as a level designer, and it feels like I have a bunch of additional consulting jobs on the side, so I'm doing something like that. But actually, uh, it's uh, September on October. I'm starting something huge, but yeah, I cannot talk about that no that's the whole point can i can can we record this now and then i could release it after in october uh i don't know even the name of the okay, company then, then let's <laughs> then then let's do a follow-up interview after october and you can talk about this stuff okay all perfect. right perfect yeah mm-hmm. that's good um, yeah but usually yeah i was doing just you know like uh, full-time level design jobs at the companies like city project red techland flying wild hog and a few smaller companies around Poland, mostly, but also yeah. in Germany. So how was the transition from going back and forth from the US? Because, well, first, first, I think I'm jumping ahead. Let's start where, <laughs> where we met at Treyarch. Yes. So um, my first impression of you was, oh my God, this guy is super talented design-wise, but mm. he just doesn't know the tools. Like you just didn't know what yeah. buttons to press. And I was yeah. like, no one's helping you. I need to just be like, here, let me show you the buttons because everything <laughs> else you got. So I was just like, mm-hmm. I was like, and you were also like a blessing for me at that time because Aww. I was like so stressed out because we needed another designer on um, S-Gen. And mm-hmm. This is in Black Ops 3. And I was begging production for a new hire. And then mm-hmm. they're like, cool, we can get you a new hire. And then they brought you on. And I was like, Yes, we got someone, you know, because yeah, and it was but my he, first. He doesn't time. know tools. <laughs> well, it was my first time, kind of like running point on a level, mm-hmm. right? Where I was like in charge of other designers, and I didn't want to make us crunch a lot. So, without you working, we would have had to crunch way more. Oh, I see. <laughs> so wow. I was like, so I was like, oh crap, we need this person. So that's some stuff you didn't know about, but I'm yeah. Thankful thankful for, for, yeah, you for doing thank that. you it's great to hear that I, I i mean like i'm also super happy that i was able to help because without your help when it comes to pressing the buttons uh, i i was like even talking with my wife that i want to learn the tools as as soon as possible like it's more important than even learning English, like proper English, because they can write on paper. I can use translator, but I need to get work done. And yeah. I think it was quite, quite like we. I don't know. It was like maybe a month or two months yeah. of intense. What this shortcut does, how to do that, 
and it was fine. Like after after your training, I felt really like uh, I knew a lot. Even some other designers were asking like, dude, why you're using that? Or uh, I remember James saying like, oh, you're using the crosshair in the middle of the viewport. Like uh, it's uh, only like few people on the world are, are using that <laughs> or something like that. What, really? Was, yeah, I was- Well, no one took the time to train James, poor guy. Uh, <laughs> I only yeah, have time so... to train one person and build my stuff and organize yeah. the rest of the level. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, with with these tools, actually, they are super tricky because there there's no documentation. Yeah. Yeah. So everything was from you, man. That was crazy. There there is documentation. It's just not very good and it's the same documentation that the mod community has so it's like exactly yeah exactly yeah um but i'm even surprised that there's a mod community for that like i'm not mm -hmm. surprised because because like it's been so long since they released an editor for other uh you know level designers or modders mm -hmm. so it's like so hard to bring in new talent there um yeah yeah, yeah, I'm checking what they are doing, and actually they are doing really good. I mean, when you see, yeah. like, when when I was checking screenshots, I was like, oh, this will, performance-wise, this will suck, or something like that. But uh, still, it's a great start. Like, when you hire a person, you, he or she already has experience with these buttons. So, so I would say such people are already better than me when it comes to, you know, starting wor work in the studio. Yeah. Um, so, how was your transition? So, so mm -hmm. you were at Treyarch. I left Treyarch before you did. Um, so, mm -hmm. when did you when did you leave? Oh my God! I I guess it was like mid September two thousand and sixteen, and then after two weeks, I had my first day at CD Projekt Red was like after two weeks. So I only had two weeks of getting all the stuff from, from the US oh, wow. to Poland. And it was super stressful. But luckily, CDPR is doing a great job when it comes to relocation. So they got me apartment. Then I've lost my keys. <laughs> and I <laughs> got me. Yeah, I, and, and it was like two weeks apartment. And then I, I got two more weeks because I couldn't find anything on the local market. And I was like, okay, I'll take my family. You know, I have a kid and and and, yeah. and a wife, so so I took them from my uh, parents' house. And the funny thing is, I've left the keys at their place, and it's like 500 kilometers. I'm oh, not sure no. how many miles is that. It's like 300 miles from yeah. from Warsaw. So so yeah, so I went there with my family. My kid was like screaming, like I'm hungry. And I was like, oh, where, where are the keys? Oh, sh oh man. <laughs> so, yeah, so luckily a company also helped me with the other apartment. So, yeah, that's good. Well, that's good. That's good that they have a relocation. Um, so CD Projekt Red, uh, are you excited to see the game coming out this year? Of course, man. Like, it's, it's, it's it will be a crazy game. I don't want to talk too much about it. But the thing is, I've learned from these guys like even at Treyarch, we were saying like, oh, Witcher guys, right? Witcher guys, because uh, different people call the company Project Red or or just CD Project. You know, there's multiple versions of that because it's a you know for some people that's a new studio. It appeared with Witcher Three, 
but on the Polish market, it's, it's quite long. And actually, we say that it's CD Projekt Red. This is how you really pronounce that. Uh, okay, so when I was working with these guys and had a chance to talk about why Witcher 3 was awesome, what exactly worked for them, how the process worked, and uh, what they had to skip or what they have to cut from the game. I was just amazed about their process. And the funny thing is, like, usually when we do games, I've met a lot of designers that are bottom-up, like we are talking about mechanics or we're talking about even, like, systems, not really, or, or just, like, scrappy experiences, like, oh, this will be cool, this will be fun. But actually talking with some guys from CDPR, was like it was full experience but to the level of so much detail that some people could say it's micromanagement but i think that with a vision for the game sometimes you have to be very specific to the point where we were saying that there will be three percent of people for example let's, let's say about the e3 demo that we were working on uh, the first one, it was 2018 or 17, I don't remember exactly. Uh, so we were saying that there'll be like around 3% of people that will see the details from the, you know, on the screen that are from the cyberpunk book. Like it's, you know, like a, a few sentences in the book talking about how Arasaka treats uh, Maelstrom, for example. And actually we wanted to show uh, a science of that. So if someone knows cyberpunk really well, they will see, uh, for example, mot motorcycles with uh, Arasaka stickers um, on it, and they'll be like, "Wait a minute, why Arasaka is here? They, you know, they don't like each other. It's weird." So you know, it's it's it causes to think about that kind of stuff, and we are doing that only for that tiny portion of the audience. And when they are doing something like for example, we have a uh, cyberpunk world. We go full steam ahead with, with cyberpunk. <clears throat> Everything that appears on the screen should be cyberpunky, but it shouldn't be a cliche cyberpunk. For example, like let's put a bunch of cables on top of the architecture. Usually we were using LA and uh, San Francisco architecture, but morphed. There are different layers and... Uh, uh, sections, I would say, of the city that are built very long time ago. Uh, they are, there, are, there are buildings that are brand new and there are buildings under construction. So if you see the very old part, it really resembles with the California architecture from that area. Because actually Night City is somewhere between uh, San Francisco and LA. I don't remember exactly what's the name of that, but there's, uh, there's one city uh, in the real world, that actually is a district in in cyberpunk, uh, oh, wow. in in that city. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 actually uh, a real place, I would say. That's awesome. Um, so when you, you're talking about this kind of, I don't want to say micromanagement, but this attention to detail. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, how how are you carrying that over into new work? Uh, well. So right now I had no chance to actually work on the vision that much, but I often talk with uh, vision holders. It, it depends like on the company, it could be a creative director or, or lead designer. And uh, usually when we have a case where um, we are talking about some 
I don't know, in one game, we were thinking about our USP, like what's uh, our, the most, uh, how to say that, you know, usually when we are doing a game, we need to have some kind of like identification, but when you take a screenshot, people will say like, oh, that's your game. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. like you cannot actually uh, think that it's like Skyrim or something. No, no, this is a game yeah. actually we made. Yeah. So when we were thinking about that kind of identification and also the USP for the gameplay. Uh, so when that's you say U- USP, are you saying US? USP, yeah, unique selling, selling uh, point. Point, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like that, that thing that will make your game stand out from other games. So when we were talking about this, I remember one case. I don't want to get into details because I was spoiled too much about some games uh, that are coming up. But we were thinking about the mechanics for such game, and uh, everything we got was super vague. It's like, oh, this will be like Bullet Storm or something like that, right? It's like, can we get a bit more information about that? And and what's that kind of three percent of uh, of detail that actually hardcore? Uh, obsessed players will actually get. It's a level of mastery that is even above hardcore gamer uh, that loves your game. It's that kind of obsession. And if we are doing actually that kind of, usually that's that kind of uh, question that I I ask, what people will be obsessed about in our game? And yeah, usually you get answers. Yeah, it's usually you get answers. And that question forces people to think. And it's bad when uh, when the person that is in charge is saying like, oh, we have it's not important. It's like, oh man, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. It's, it's <laughs> no, no. yeah, exactly. So when I ask usually this question, it it starts to you know buzz in the brain, and uh, it's not like the first ideas that will drop should be actually the thing that we're going to. But usually it takes a few days. We talk about it multiple times. And even after a weekend, a person comes to me and is like, dude, I, I had a dream or whatever, or I was thinking yeah. about that in the bathroom. And it will be like that. And usually, yeah, it's a killer. So, yep. That's a great question. I'm going to steal that one from you. That's okay. a really good one. Um, so I guess, so I wrote some stuff down. So um, do you have a level design philosophy? Oh man, man, I, it's 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 crazy because like my last few years I've spent on reading a lot of books about different things, uh, psychology, design, level design, game design, and after getting all that knowledge, I feel that I know nothing, that I'm lost. There is that kind Ooh, you of you got aspect. the information overload, something like that. I mean, I. I uh, analysis paralysis uh, yeah yeah something like that because i have so many processes from different people that is quite overwhelming but the thing is when i'm thinking about philosophy right now um i have so many things in my toolkit that even starting with one would be like oh my god what was that so so yeah do you remember i've sent you uh, i had that kind of wikipedia yeah. Page, my personal Wikipedia page yeah. when I was listing everything. I've sent you a screenshot yeah, yeah, of yeah. it. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Leveldesign.org. Yeah. Uh, do you want to tell tell people about it? Are you still? It looks like you're still keeping it up to date, kind of. I, I I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We have a I have, I have a website called Leveldesign.org, and I usually right now I'm only reposting stuff uh, because I don't have time to write my stuff. 
So when I'm looking for something cool about level design, because I'm always want to grow and see what's up right now on the market, I would say. So I'm going through articles, uh, YouTube videos, and instead of just watching that and wasting it, like, you know, uh, that it's only for me, I'm sharing that with a community of like around, right now there are like 2000 people a month checking the website. Uh, unique users, you know, checking what's wow. what's what's up there. So yeah, it's really nice. Like you know, two thousand guys that are or want to be level designers have that kind of stuff. Of uh, if I was watching something and I thought that actually it's pretty useful, it could be cool for them. They don't have to look for it. There's only one place to to do that. And on this website, if you go to a page called Knowledge Base, there's actually a listing of a bunch of topics. For example, navigation, perception. Uh, the process, uh, really detailed process, like what to do in, in the uh, prototyping. And actually, this is a this is that page that I will start uh, telling you about. So that's the the version on the website is quite uh, small, I would say. I have my personal uh, wiki that is only to me right now, uh, which is much bigger. And every time I watch that, I see you know how much stuff I have about navigation and all that stuff. It's, it's, yeah, it's overwhelming. So when it comes to level design philosophies, what exactly do you mean? Uh, is it like a principles I, I follow? Um, I wasn't thinking principles. I kept it loose because I wanted you to interpret that and kind of go where you wanted to go with it. So that was kind of my intentional All right. inter interview tactic. Um, ah, okay. But, uh, All right. but um, for me, it's almost like, like, do you have a, a theory for fun? Right. Like oh. something that you can always pull out. Like you're like, oh, this isn't fun. And then you think you play it and you're like, I know why it's not fun. It's not fun because X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I have something here. So the first thing is I'm trying to avoid using word fun because Ooh. it's super subjective. Yes. So every time I think actually uh, David Vanderhaar was talking about that once uh, we had a meeting. Oh, yeah, you were already out. Uh, you were already working uh, at Starbreeze. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah, you went to Starbreeze. Exactly. So, so the thing is, we had a meeting where we were talking about design stuff, and I remember what David said about two things. First was, what problem are you solving? Yeah. What problem do you want to solve? Which is like super crucial because it actually we we were really wandering wandering around with different ideas, but we forgot. We forgot about what actually we were fixing, which was like really eye-opening. It's like where we went with with our thoughts. And the second thing was uh, oh, I forgot what I want to say about the fun. Yes, exactly. Like fun is really subjective. So when you use word fun, for some people, uh, I don't know, abusing is fun in yeah. our game, mm -hmm. uh, or being toxic is fun. Are we designed for that? So usually. Uh, and I was actually thinking about it, and uh, my philosophy here is I'm focusing on motivations and actually making people get what they want, like get satisfaction from solving these motivations. Not sure if, if solving is a proper word here, but what I mean is, for example, when you have, uh, there are people that are like completionists, right? Yeah. They want to get 100% of everything. So by actually allowing them to do that, I'm getting them the systems or things to collect or places to visit 
I'm giving them systems to actually solve that motivation. Yeah, I'm not sure if solving is a good word yeah. for that, but something like that. Yeah. So that's my philosophy. I usually try to think about the motivations, and there are there are a bunch of motivations actually, like why people play games. Even like my favorite right now is relaxa- relaxation. I really like to. I would love to make a game where you have a bit of challenge, but most of the time you're just walking around the environment and take pictures of them and see how beautiful they are, but they are actually in some places corrupted by some kind of, by some kind of pollution. It could be some kind of like slime or fumes or something, I don't know. And actually you have a huge vacuum cleaner and that's where the challenge is, where you have to actually clean the environment from that, like, you know, make pretty. some stuff pretty. Which is also one of the motivations. It's creativity because you actually do something from A to B. And also you make stuff pretty, which also a lot of people like. So so yeah. I would like to actually make that kind of game where you have exploration, which is very close to my heart. Uh, a challenge that is not overwhelming. Like, for example, when I'm playing, like, I know, Sekiro. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's just too much for me. I have no idea what happened. Maybe I'm getting old. You, yeah. But it's just <laughs> yeah, my, my hands are shaking when I'm playing that. It's like, oh my god, please, where's my you know uh, pills to calm me down or something like that? Because it's, too, it's too much, man. It's too much. <laughs> exactly. So so yeah. So I'm playing like uh, games like I know Borderlands Three recently is quite quite fun for me. Uh, actually, I said I said fun. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you said yeah. fun. So I don't think fun exactly. su- subjective though. I don't. I mean, it is because for some people, fun is not uh, is not uh, sorry. Uh, Borderlands Three is not fun. Well, I so think somehow... I think I think, I think mm-hmm. how you get to fun is different for everybody. But I think yeah. fun is is real, right? Oh, like of if course. I'm yes. the if yes. I'm the That's you know, um, you know, sicko who likes to like camp and just stay mm-hmm. and watch one doorway, right? Yep. That's fun for me. Right. Yep. It might not be fun for the other person, but like that moment's real, right? It's a real it's a real moment. So I don't think yeah. it's fully subjective, but I think how is good. And I think your approach to making sure that everyone has an avenue mm-hmm. is really good. Because everyone could be like, Oh, I can enjoy this element of the game. That's why I think like MMOs in particular exactly. yeah. are really successful because there's so many different avenues for players mm-hmm. to get enjoyment from, right? Like you can be the PvP only guy, you could do yeah. the PvE guy, you could be the community guy and running the guild, mm-hmm. you can be the person who just wants to play dress up and get the best gear and look pretty and just like, oh, I'm making my yeah. character look good, you know? Exactly, so yeah. It has all of the things. Um, and yep. then collecting and all, you know, like they, they have something for everyone for the most part. Um, exactly yeah yeah mmo is a perfect example and i i wanted to add something here about the do you know the bartles taxonomy right the four guys a killer achiever competitor and yeah Yeah. so there's like four types of players there's different um i think there's there's other uh takes on it i think people have taken that further right exactly i I heard that there's like a collect there's like a collector um Mm -hmm. What else is there? I, I forget, but I, I, so, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so it goes really like, I think Bartle was one of the first guys uh, to actually write that down, and it was based on his game uh, mods. It's one of the mods. I don't, I don't remember exactly. It was uh, 
uh, Doki mod or something. I don't remember the name. But the thing was, uh, he made these four categories and he mentioned that it's very specific for his game. And people like all over the place were like, let's do that for every game, but it doesn't apply. So the second version in the same book, uh, Designing Virtual Worlds was, was the oh, name I of the book. book. I have that book. Yeah, so Hold there's on, like... Grab it uh, somewhere. I'm going to have to take it in the bookshelf. Yeah, I, I have it somewhere here too. I don't I don't know where exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. but the thing is, uh, in the same book, he made also four more. For example, there was like Politician, um, Avenger, and, and something like that. Like it was like multiple uh, aspects of being a socializer or a few yeah. aspects of being a killer. So actually it breaks down more. But the best thing so far I've seen about it was the, uh, oh my God, what was the name of that? Uh, Quantic Foundry. If you type in Google Quantic Foundry, there's a website uh, by Nick Yi and his friends. I mean, friends like co-workers, probably friends. And uh, he figured out eight categories and there's like 16 different avenues of that, I think. All Do right. you see that? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to pull it up right now. It's going to cover you, you up for a second. Okay. So yeah, um, you can you can still still talk while it's all right. Yeah, I will check also that website because there's probably uh, uh, exactly Quantic Foundry. Uh, there should be a link to uh, a motivation model on the top. Yeah. And you see these action, social, master, achievement, immersion, and creativity, and each of them has like two aspects of it. Yep. So so far from all the motivations that are defined by different psychologists. This one really applies to video games quite close. And the funny thing is you can actually get a subscription on uh, on this website. Uh, I'm not sure how much it is, but uh, how much it costs, but a bunch of companies I was in, they were using that. It probably is not a huge money. But the cool thing is imagine that you type, for example, Skyrim. And because of they have a bunch of surveys from different people of like how they play different games, what they like, when you type Skyrim, you see what what kind of motivations people have solved in this uh, in this game. So for example, Skyrim is strong oh, wow. on completion and exploration and something, and it shows you on the graph. And also it shows you a surrounding games like super far and super close. So when you type, for example, Black Ops, you'll see that Counter-Strike is more tactical. So it's more to the left. And uh, it's, uh, I know, like TTK is different. So it's more to the top. But you have a bunch of other games from Ooh, that genre. That sounds awesome. Exactly. And how I, how I was using that was you have this knowledge of uh, there are different games. There are people that are looking for different motivations. For example, skins in, uh, in uh, what was that? In the uh, country. Uh, oh, yeah, or, or Fortnite. Exactly. Let, let's say Fortnite. They have uh, motivations that are solved in this game. But for example, in your game, you don't have it. So like, oh, we can add skins and, you know, that's a first thought. It's not like it's a ready uh, finished design that you have to just implement and, and you just, you know, you will get rich. Uh, but the thing is, uh, it's a good, I don't know, like uh, cue or just direction with design yeah. to think about. Yeah. So something like that. Exactly. Yeah, this, this website is awesome. But I was consulting different companies and I found that big companies uh, like mature studios 
will be interested in that, but very indie games are like, oh, you, you don't, we don't want that pay, psychology yeah, don't thing. Pay. That uh, that's the first thing. Yeah, if yeah. this would be for free, even if I'm giving giving them data, they're like, oh, that's a black magic, you evil person, take it away. We know what, what? players want. Oh yeah, I, I I had that experience, dude. There was like guys that were, uh, I mean, it will work and it's fine. Like it, you can design like that. The, the the thing is, they these guys were designing their lovely game that they want to play. So their player base is were them. them. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And they have like fifty thousand people in the game, and they are super happy because they are doing what they are passionate about. Yeah. So it's fine for them. If they don't want to grow the game too much, like adding new activities that will solve different motivations to make this game bigger, that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. I wouldn't call that black magic, like you know, but still yeah. it's okay, like or any kind of heresy. Well yeah. there's also you can put the feature in, but if people don't know about it, then you're not gonna <laughs> reach that extra people beyond that fifty thousand. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, and here analytics actually come. That's also awesome, and that's quite new in my uh, experience. Like, I'm not sure how for how long we are doing analytics on different games, but for example, recently we've noticed that some activities in one game are almost not used, and it's always. I mean, it's also like some kind of like you know, let's think about it. Why actually it happens? because uh, maybe it's an information problem or maybe the game is uh, broken literally like you know you cannot yeah. finish something or it's just too hard so it's a uh, it's that kind of invitation for investigation i would say analytics are awesome yeah. wow what was that that was a motorcycle all right <laughs> that's what you heard yeah someone's wow. like driving really fast outside um, okay so tell me about this consulting, because that seems mm -hmm. like that's something that a lot of people would get in trouble for in the U.S., right? It depends on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to be very uh, careful, I guess, here at least, because mm -hmm. you don't want to break like, oh, are you working for a competitor and exactly. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, so yeah exactly. So yeah. How, do, how did you start consulting? So, yeah, exactly. Before actually starting that, like... It was idea of my friend, but actually we were going back to Poland from, from the US and he said that there was that kind of option. And actually when you consult this one company and actually you focus on their stuff, it would be all fine. And I, I was uh, actually, I got a few people to help me with that uh, because it's quite maybe not popular, but I met, I met proper people, I would say, that actually knew how to start that. So they got all that stuff for me. So usually it's just like the legal stuff. Uh, the accounting and um, the process like the process is the most like uh, I would say it's funny because it's really in in this industry it's like super secret like how do you how much you take money from I mean how much you ask for or uh, what kind of presentations you're doing what kind of workshops or what exactly you tell them yeah it's 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 very weird because usually everything boils down to the same thing so so is that kind of like uh i don't know how to call that but it's that kind of like secret that actually everybody knows about in the, in the industry so it's yeah something like that but okay but in general when i started this company 
I got a deal with CDPR and I was focused on only on that. Like it was only my one thing. But then actually uh, I've told a few people that I'm doing that kind of stuff and it's like, oh, maybe you want to help us with this game. Maybe you, you, you can come and figure out why we are not meeting our deadlines. And I was just, you know, talking with them, watching what they are doing exactly, then thinking about it's it's that's that's uh, sometimes especially when it comes to the process it's like super uh, hard because when you talk with leads everything is fine they're like oh yeah man I don't like like what's going on with these people yeah, they don't want to keep yeah. their job uh, that's the, one of the aspects <laughs> of oh they're like completely <laughs> blind they don't get it just yeah that there are, there's like different levels of that yeah so that's one thing they don't see a problem because the problem means his boss will be not happy about it. So usually it's like, you know, I don't, I have no idea what's going on. Everything looks fine on the papers. So uh, let's see under the hood. And actually when you talk with people, uh, it's like, do you have goals? It's like, uh, no. Uh, do you have like, I don't know, task estimates? Uh, no. So yeah, there's like, you can see already there's a bunch of missing things that actually will help them meeting deadlines when you yeah. know what do you want to achieve when you have a goal? It's a bit easier <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to achieve it. And especially when you have this goal uh, broken down to tasks, which you can actually estimate, that's even better. So yeah, so that, that kind of stuff. And usually it's, there's like, it's hard to get in trouble with that kind of stuff because I'm usually trying to, that's why I'm reading like a lot of books, like usually after, uh, like every year I'm trying to read 30 books. This year is already 21. Wow. So yeah, and my like right now I'm reading a book that is like melting my brain. It's a, a, special, a handbook of special condi- special spe- special how to read that special? Uh, cognition. Special yeah, special cognition. Special. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I have that one too. Uh, it's but... a like a big format, yeah. But yeah. it's it's oh my god, it's melting my brain because it's like uh, it's how, oh, you, he... how your eyes work and analyze exactly. Space. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, I have yeah, that, yeah. or I read a white paper on it. But um, mm. yeah. exactly, it's about sensing. Like I I already found out very cool a lot of cool things about how landmarks work, for example. But the uh, what are the gender differences when it comes to using landmarks? But actually, landmarks are quite easy and. 99.9% of people will get landmarks gender when differences. you have gender differences. Yeah. So when it comes to that's, uh, this is, very, that's even in this, I, I love landmarks. I use them all the time, but, uh, yeah, gender, exactly, gender yeah. differences. I, I wasn't thinking about that. Exactly. So as far as I'm concerned, to... girls don't play games. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> There's no problem, right? No, I, I'm actually I'm just concerned about that just kind of, yeah, kidding. yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. I'm just talking to the internet right now because yeah, yeah, we just want. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, uh, with uh, with uh, these gender differences, uh, like for example, landmarks are the best way to make sure that that uh, it will work as a landmark. And there are two types of landmarks. One is the bacon, which is you have something huge in in front of you, and you, actually that's where you want to go, so you just go toward it. It requires the least mental cognition and no training. We do that from our genes, I would say. It's natural for us. But there are ways that actually has to be learned. 
and usually you learn that by exposition. For example, you are lost in a city and you have a map. And it's not like we have some kind of special genes, like for example, males, that actually will help you guide uh, yourself with a map. It's just a matter of um, uh, training. Being exposed to it early on. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So for example, when, in the, when, uh, when someone is not being exposed uh, to that thing, uh you know that person needs to learn that and usually it's a cultural thing of like how often who is using the map in which cases so what my, my observation here is uh that um it's not like you need to have a talent to navigate the difference is not in our genes but the difference is on uh, in the exposition to to different methods uh, so I'm thinking now how to actually break that down to level design, but so far the bacon, the information that bacon works for everyone. everyone. The, yeah, that's 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 first. And, and thing, you're, you know, you're saying, are you saying beacon or bacon? Like pig meat? <laughs> or are you saying beacon like a like a light, like a beacon, something? That... Yeah, not bacon, right? Okay. Yeah, that's that's me. I just that's want to make bad. it clear cleared up for people because because a lot yeah. of people use the word weenies, and I hate that word for landmarks. <laughs> um, I hate that word. It's like don't use that word. Like that's the worst word. Just say landmark. Um, know, beacon's yeah, right? a, a much better word. Uh, yeah. So yeah. yeah, not bacon. But bacon is like another weenie, I would say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I so so the side note here is actually when I uh, landed in the U.S. You know, my English was quite. I mean, still funny. But actually, a lot of things I've learned from you because I was like, uh, really? for example, yeah, I remember one thing I was asking you what what means darn on this kind of like cheese or whatever. And you said, like, it's when kids want to say damn <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've learned a lot from you and also from Aki. So the 30 books yeah. a year. What yeah. made you start that? And that, because that seems so hard. Are you counting audiobooks too, or are you just doing pure reading? Pure reading, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't have audiobooks because I, when I have a time to listen to something, usually it's in the car when I'm going to work. And now with COVID, I'm sitting at home, so I'm not listening to anything, but usually I'm listening to podcasts. I have a kind of cool application on the phone that actually syncs uh, your uh playlist with pc so sometimes i'm listening for some for something on, on a pc but usually uh you know you know during work when you're scripting something you're thinking about letters it's hard to listen to someone especially for me like when i listen to english and write in english it's not my first language oh. so i'm like oh got it yeah. that, that makes sense I, I i'm the same way but i don't script as much so, oh, lucky so you. you're scripting. That's the thing I wanted to get into, actually, because mm -hmm. um, I feel like working at Treyarch for such a long time, it makes you stuck as this level builder, right? Because mm -hmm. I was just building. So that's kind of this really weird position that's not really in the industry. It's really only mm -hmm. in Call of Duty companies, right? Where you're this mm -hmm. artist, designer, hybrid specialist right because yeah. you're like yeah. designing but you're really thinking about the space and how a player feels while navigating a space right but also mm -hmm. making sure it looks good too at the end of the day i'm being an environment artist and a you know a level designer so it's not just like gray blocks done right yeah. 
And then the scripters are only focusing on scripting the events and gameplay stuff too. So you're kind of splitting the work in half, really, which is, I think, really good for production, which I'm like, okay, like this is good to make games high quality and fast when you have that super specialization. Yeah, Um, it's way easier to hire also like uh, a people that can only script and they can only build when you want to have a kind of jack of all trades that will do everything it's super hard to get them like it was quite for example i'm from the modding community of quake one so i had to make textures by myself uh, brushes uh, gameplay which is super was super easy but still there was something so it was my background to do stuff like that but now when people are getting unreal engine 4 for example usually they yeah. focus on like i can do some simple scripting and a lot of cool geo so it's even different with that but when you go to half-life 2 for example or half-life alex and you have uh, tools available with gameplay actually in the game you can actually do something but it's not that um, popular like it yeah. was back then yeah but i think it's also because source 2 is not out yet i really am looking forward to see what valve does when they release source 2 Mm-hmm. Uh, tools? It's not. No. Okay, because I've seen some people on Twitter actually showing screenshots from Half-Life Alex uh, yeah. maps. People are are opening them up. I think in an older version. Okay. I think I think it's all compatible or something. Okay. Because right. I was okay. looking for a download like a month or two ago, just mm-hmm. to see if I can mess around and and make something. Because I've been in VR for the last. Since I left Treyarch, I've been making VR. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. so Four that's years, so that's way different than flat yeah. games. Uh, <laughs> you learn a lot. Is it an official term like flat that's, games? That's the official term for for VR people. We all call them flat games. Oh, uh, good to know. Yeah, nice. uh, but but are are two D games? We'll call them two D games, but they're three D. But we call them two D. Yeah. So I think flat is is better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but um. It's just, it's very different. So I wanted to see like, oh, if I can, you know, make something in, in their engine because uh, it's mm-hmm. VR. But um, mm-hmm. I couldn't find anything. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong spot. Maybe I need to, you know. But I was just looking on Steam and I just thought maybe I'll find the, the tools there because that's how mm-hmm. you could find Hammer before. Yep, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited too about it. Um, okay, well, we're, so, okay, so looking at different things for hiring people and the skill set right because i've been in unreal since leaving Treyarch too mm-hmm. uh actually we've been in um diesel before that so diesel have you even heard of diesel is it the it was the payday, starbreeze it was engine? The, yeah it was the payday starbreeze engine i only and, heard of never, never seen that line it was, it was really bad imagine working <laughs> in radiant with no undo what exactly there's no one do. Like, you couldn't control why? Z. <laughs> oh my god. It's so bad. And then they wonder why their game is filled with bugs. <laughs> like, oh you need god. good tools, people. I was working on such thing. Like, for example, at Techland. When I joined Techland, it was 2006. And I remember times when we, when we had no control Z. But it took like two months for them to actually do it. But my favorite story about the editor is there was a polish game co- called mortyr it's a very old world war ii 
uh, like I would say Polish Wolfenstein game uh, 2002 maybe like quite quite old game and when they are actually doing the game they had no editor but everything was setting up was set up in the game so you had a no clip like you know free 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 camera and you were drawing brushes and texturing texturing them in game and the game was actually running so it was almost like Fortnite, but like 20 years ago. <laughs> that actually sounds pretty cool. That sounds it sounds cool. cool. And the cool thing was well, the game was running. So when you were setting up enemies, enemies actually, your you as an and attack you and the, yes, attack the you camera. Could you could literally die. During <laughs> <laughs> so imagine when you're doing a level and then you can hear some kind of like German soldier voices behind you. You look at your feet and there's a grenade there and you die. There, actually. there was something like that in, in Unreal 2004. I think I did something like that on accident because you can possess a camera mm -hmm. and I don't know. I don't even I don't even remember. I'm not even talk about it because it was too long ago. Um, All right. So the 30 books, what made you start that? Okay, yeah, so the story was uh, my friend told me that there's a cool website called Goodreads, and I started putting uh, books that I've already read, read um, and I've noticed that yeah, year like, after I year... I like that, that site, I use it too. Yeah, Goodreads is awesome because yeah. actually it also touches your motivations of maybe not completion, maybe not competition, but there's that kind of thing that you see progression, and when you, you can add two more, you know, just like one more level, it's something like that. Uh, you're very close to get uh, one more book to actually have a round number of 30 books. So it was like, okay, I'll, I'll just, you know, instead oh, of watching it gamified TV shows, it. it gamified reading for you. They could even, they could gamify that even more by giving some kind of like experience point, but luckily yeah. they didn't do it. So it's only in my brain and because I'm a designer, so I gamified that myself. <laughs> so, That's all smart. Right, so yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's I feel like uh, it's uh, taking over control over me. <laughs> so because I'm the opposite though, when when things get gamified, I get really mad of it at it because I'm like, this isn't even fun. Yeah, and I'm like, this is a bad game. I don't want to waste my time playing a bad game, and then I'll not do the thing. Yeah, yeah, right. So yeah, I'm like the opposite. My I remember when I was getting training in one of the companies. It was like the e-learning, uh, e-learning thing when we have a website and there's a question like, "Oh, James actually was doing insider trading. Is it okay?" And you have oh, options yeah. like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead," <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> you have different options, and you get points for that. And after actually getting like I don't know ten out of ten, you have that kind of celebration like in mobile games. And you know, I was sitting in that office like. You know, you know how usually game game dev offices look like. It's very dark. Everybody is yeah. It's different. Sometimes it's very quiet. Sometimes it's very loud. But it's a very specific place. And then I see that celebration on my screen. I was and it was so out of tone for that. But it actually, you know, there's a kind of like a level of immersion that have to be met um, to just stop. Uh, thinking about how weird it is and actually because of that celebration on the screen all these confetti and colorful things appeared and I was like uh, what what I'm doing <laughs> right yeah weird so, yeah but going back to the question uh, I was gonna was... I was gonna ask for a different I was just asking what made you get in all those books because mm -hmm. um, that seems awesome I just I mean I definitely like reading but it's so hard to find time I can't imagine you doing your consulting and a normal job and having your wife and kid and finding yeah. the time to read 
do you play games or did you quit playing games? Because that's I a... very I play only games that I so yeah. There's a thing. There's yeah, I, there's I will has tell to you be a I sacrifice. Uh, yes, and I found uh, I think I'm in a good place where I'm fair to all my aspects of of life. So usually I'm reading when everybody's asleep at home. So my kids are sleeping and my wife is sleeping. So I don't feel I I should, you know, uh, I'm doing something wrong. So I'm usually reading at night and it takes me one, two hours, sometimes four even like when something is super awesome. Uh, but um, and weekends are awesome, actually. Usually we, we go to uh, there's a cool coffee place uh, in Wrocław where we go with 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 a book. Uh, so me and my wife are reading something and kids are just sitting there eating something or, or playing with, with them, with them. So, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. So, so yeah. So when it comes to games, that's, that's a bigger problem to play. Like I prefer reading books right now than playing games, but I, because of like, you know, I'm a level designer and I need to see what's going on. So usually at work, I'm watching walkthrough videos. <laughs> This is how I finished Sekiro, actually, by watching how how actually it turns out. Oh no! Yeah, and but when you I'm played it. Home... You played it, and then you gave up, and then decided to yes. watch. Okay. Yes. That's yes. fair. Yes, because... I've I've done that yeah. too, but I don't like to admit it because it's like, uh, I don't have time for this, or you know, it's too mm -hmm. hard. Yeah. I yeah. play games yeah, on easy good. too. That's pro tip. When you're old, put the games on yeah. easy, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. you can uh, save some time and some heartache. Yeah, and the worst part is actually a bunch of games are actually very crappy at uh, on easy mode. That's it's uh, yeah. it's not showing like everybody. I mean, not everybody. I don't want to say everybody, but uh, some designers are designing for the med medium level as the go to uh, skill uh, difficulty level, mm -hmm. and uh, it plays really well. You see all the patterns that are intended and all that stuff, and actually easy is just like oh, let's cut that, let's make this uh, longer you know the window of opportunity for example and it looks weird it's not what designer intended and uh, some good games are actually really polished when it comes to that but i've already encountered a few games that were just like okay the story mode or easy mode is just like let's make something yeah like you know they will not complain maybe so yeah so that's that's not cool yeah um it's really hard to design for multiple modes, though. Like, yeah. I almost wish that, like, I would rather just not even have them, right? Like, get rid of them if you're not mm -hmm. taking that time, right? Like, just yeah. don't even have yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so there's a kind of stuff called dynamic adaptation or something like that, systems, that actually when you play the game, the game actually is checking how much resources you have, how you handle them, yeah. and adjust difficulty. And actually, it's pretty cool, but some players don't like it. Like, it's really easy to abuse that. And a good example was Resident Evil 4, I guess, or or. I, yeah, let's say four. I don't remember exactly. But uh, speedrunners uh, found that actually if you're doing really bad at the beginning with killing zombies, the game becomes super easy later. So you can speedrun through the whole game wow. like super easy. So And because of that became really famous, some designers and some players are like, wait a minute, that's, that's not cool. Like, that's a, you know... A flaw of of this game. So yeah, so yeah, you have to be really careful with the kind of systems. But going back to this, uh, finding time for books. Uh, 
when I'm working, usually it's like, you know, eight hours a day. But because of consulting, there's a lot of work, uh, I would say, behind the curtain. So when you go to the studio and they ask you, like, oh, we have this game and we have trouble with, I don't know, getting traction with certain uh, level design aspects, like people are lost or something like that. Uh, you see that and you can actually toss some ideas from the head, but I don't want to do it because quite often the first idea is not the best idea. So I'm telling them like, okay, this is what I see and actually needs more investigation. And that investigation at home, when they're actually thinking about it, uh, checking other games uh, for reference to to actually prove them that uh, there is something, that takes a lot of time. And uh, my mistake here is I really, I have no idea how to estimate that because I often say like, oh, this will be an hour and Uh, it's a whole night. Yeah, because I cannot find a good example or it simply, I don't have good evidence even in my head. I don't believe myself that it will work. And if I don't believe myself, then I don't want to tell them what I think because, you know, I can get them in trouble. There's always that risk, and I'm always maybe not scared, but aware of that, that they might get in trouble. Because I've seen a lot of cases, even in Polish game dev, where consultants consultants came to the office, said, oh, you're a dead person, you need to change this process. And, and studios are actually adapting, they want to listen, even the most, like, I know... Uh, how to say that, like people that don't like to change, there's probably that kind stubborn. of name. Yeah, stubborn people, exactly. They Usually they are, you know, they want to be open for that. And sadly, because of consultants are not giving enough information of like what will be the outcome, how it should be, there should be a person holding their hands when they are actually doing that to see if it works. When the consultant just com- comes to the office, tells that's wrong, that's bad, that's cool, uh, change that, and he goes home, and they are left with these problems, it can get a pretty nice disaster because of they have only a scrappy information how to fix that. For example, they, they had a process on a paper or even like they've listened to this guy and like, okay, let's try it. And quite often it ends up with, with, uh, with trouble because, you know, they never did that. If they would be so smart, they would do that themselves. So yeah, so leaving people with just like oh, here, here are your problems. Have fun. That's the worst uh, that consultant can do. And I've seen already that cases, even with, even with workshops, it was not enough to make other like some teams or some studios uh, mature enough to handle that uh, without any help from outside, especially the process. So what do you yeah. what do you do? You you give them the problems, you give them solutions to the problems, but that's not a guarantee that they're going to listen to the solutions or yeah or implement that correctly. So yeah. it's a thing that uh, it's like a therapy. I would say you have to come more often after a few weeks and uh, or like every second week or or something like that, and see how stuff is going and uh, talking with right people because when. When you go to complainers, even if something will go good, they will complain because they are like that. It's like a, you know the kind yeah. of state of mind after it's five years for, yeah, after five years in the company that everything sucked for them, even a small change would be not 
big enough to make them feel was like okay we're go, going that way good a good way or something like that so so exactly when you're talking with wrong people it will be always great or or bad and uh, any kind of actions you're doing uh, will not get any kind of results that you can actually measure and measuring results is super important so when you go to a company who do you usually talk to do you talk to like the head of their production or do you talk to like ceo level stuff so, because i could see people in that kind of middle management tier doing the whole everything's fine um you know we're we're okay we don't need your help and then you it just mm -hmm. creates more problems or they're mm -hmm. not putting in these steps that you're talking about in terms of the process to get the actual production on track right because they're the reasons why it's off track yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually, stuff is when 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 that that's a huge mistake when it comes to taking consultants. They take them when stuff is on fire already. So even when I'm there, it's too late to do something meaningful. The best part, I mean, the best moment for getting consultants is uh, during or after the post mortem of the project, because you have time to react. So when you're doing the post-mortem, like, oh, our project failed or something like that, um, maybe we can do something better next time if we have enough money to actually, you know, sustain the business uh, and actually create uh, a better process. And then you take help because when everything is on fire, uh, there's a huge risk that consultant actually will just add more to, to that fire. But uh, what was your question again? Because I've derailed that a bit. Um, no, that was great. But um, okay. it was who do you who do you talk to? Oh yeah, right. Yeah, like, yeah. Usually, who, who are you reporting to? Because if you're saying oh the production like the sometimes I could see the problem being people, right? Not yeah. necessarily even a process. It's like oh the, you have these toxic individuals mm -hmm. or people that are being roadblocks or maybe they're just too slow or maybe there's yeah. too much on their plate. I don't, I don't know what the situation is, but mm -hmm. you know, if there are people that are the problems, you don't really want to tell them that they're the problem. Right. Yeah. 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 You have to. So usually I talk with uh, the person that uh, asked me, uh, asked me to come to the, to their office. So uh, all the deals I had was uh, because of like, I was working with that person and he's in the other office now or by word of mouth. My friend told his friend that actually I'm doing that kind of stuff. So I've never sent uh, uh, an offer to the company because I was like, oh, maybe they need help. Usually I was at getting um, information from, from my friends like, oh, can you come and, you know, let's see what will happen. So usually well, I know these guys uh, or I know their friends so there's already some kind of relationship already established Got it. and it's a very loose talk and usually there's like project leads but on the level like um, in small offices uh, small companies project leads are actually almost like creative directors uh, and in bigger companies i was talking for example with senior and lead designers uh, which uh, quite often is not enough like it would be great to go yeah higher but it's not possible so i mean even if it would be i wouldn't change anything but going back to the thing when you said there are people that are stubborn or people that are doing any kind of harm unintentionally or unintentionally uh, when uh, i see something like that i need to figure out the step in the process that will be 
that will allow to actually somehow fix that. And it's very case by case solution, so I have to think about it. But I had one thing when when we had a bottleneck uh, of uh, of a person that was actually reviewing everything in the game, from dialogues to environment to systems. You know, just that's like you know, a big I to... common common bottleneck is like people like yeah. who want to see everything. It's like, but you're not an expert yeah. in everything. Yeah, I mean, this guy was very smart, not expert, definitely, in everything, but uh, he had a vision and he was filtering everything through that vision. So for, for dialogue, it was like, is it in a good tone? Is it, I don't know, for example, this person supposed to be cynical. Is it cynical? It is, oh, great. So he gets a kind of like stamp of approval on everything. And uh, the thing is, uh, it feels for him like he's doing a great job, but he doesn't see the line of people waiting and doing nothing or doing stuff that is not related to goals, any kind of, you know, uh, dysfunction uh, of people that are waiting in line for this review. And one of my uh, propositions here was maybe uh, we could get some power, more power to delete to actually evangelize the vision. And actually the the, the guy was at, at the beginning super stubborn. He was like, uh, the first moment we will be alone in the room, he will just, you know, punch me in the face or something like that because he wanted to finish this game. Everything was on fire. But the thing was, uh, when I said leads evangelizing the vision, he completely changed his, like, I've seen his eyes opening wide. It's like, I would say, uh, you know, uh, I don't even have an example for that, but like, it, it, was, yeah. it was a big change for him. And then we become really maybe not friends but like we we finally could work together and and he said like i uh i will prepare an example of the vision for every department and actually he did uh, only for a few the most trusted i would say departments which was like from like few few departments and uh when he did that uh the leads at the beginning were like dude we're not doing that because everything we will Every time we will do some kind of like any kind of like failure, you know, but he won't like it, we will be in trouble because of that. Yeah. And that's a problem of his personality. And with that, you just, it's, I, I don't want to mess with anyone's personality. And, and exactly that was the, the case where, okay, so Leeds uh, got this mandate to do that. They were doing that, but they were stressed because of that and with that is like you know luckily yeah. it helped luckily it helped and luckily it didn't uh, do any harm to to the team but my my thought was uh, there was no guts from the people in charge to actually tell him that dude that kind of check out what kind of actions and behaviors are doing that reaction in your you know in, in these people so when you are maybe not screaming, but when you are that offensive about um, about your ideas and the vision, how precious it is, they are listening, they are smiling on the meeting, but when they go home, they are like shaking, man, like that's crazy. So yeah, there was there was never never such a talk, and and that's that's uh, crap, right? Because yeah. you know the management, the top. Uh, top designers, I would say, not the top designers, but top management, the executives, even when they know about the problem, they know that this guy is is gold. Like, 
it's it's huge money for them because he has a vision that really will sell their game. So if they will change any kind of like you know cog in the in the system in the machine, it might break the whole uh, machine and you know the, the 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 game will be dead or something like that. So they are really careful about uh, such people. They don't want to change anything because when they are comfortable and they are doing their job, they are uh, they are fine. But it's it's all it's awful in my opinion. Yeah, that is awful. Um, yeah, like yeah, and bunch of studios actually recently had this like kind of uh, not sure how to call that a leaks or or you know these articles on Kotaku for example when yeah. when they're like talking oh Studio X there is a person in the studio that is doing that kind of stuff and 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 what I'm saying actually is quite a soft version because people go even further with that like they are you know for example. Uh, when there's a woman in the office, they are doing stupid jokes about her and stuff like that. That's yeah. really, really crap. Yeah. Um, so, have you thought about coming back to the U.S.? Yes. Yes, I was thinking about it, but I had, I mean, so yeah, so it's it's complicated, I would say. So first, like there's already no visas for people like me, for most of the game devs, actually. It's, yeah, it will be yeah, super it's hard. hard. Yeah, it's when, hard, when and was... you had you had the visa, so I was like, I was like, why did he leave? <laughs> but you are kind of there's a double edged sword with the visa, because that yeah. employer has the control over you. I don't know if you want to explain that for people if sure. they don't know. Yeah. So so first, when I when I was going to the U.S., I had a O1 visa, which is like alien with extraordinary skill, uh, which is like quite. It's not like you you really have to no rocket science to get this visa so it only sounds like that but some people call that rockstar visa because you need to have exposition on internet uh when you have your own book that's great but you know a bunch of people don't so so for example even interviews just like we are doing right now if i would like to have a if i would try to get a visa this interview would really help me because i have exposition and actually comments below could be like oh matt is cool uh, this guy knows what he's saying, so we can actually take screenshot of, of that, and that's uh, the evidence for the uh, immigration officer that will decide if I'm good enough, which is super hard for them to, to tell about that kind of yeah. stuff uh, from stupid comments or interviews on internet uh, about games. Uh, so, so the thing is, yeah, I got that visa, then I got H1B, which is a bit better, uh, probably better to get actually a green card. Uh, but then I had some personal, uh, like, uh, with my mom, there were like some, 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 some things in Poland oh. that I had to be very close to, oh, is to that my why family. You back? Yes, okay. exactly. I mean, so, so there are, there are two things, uh, maybe even more, uh, LA is awesome, but I have a kind of like love hate relationship with that city. Uh, I like the, I mean, back then in 2015, 16, uh, not sure how it's right now, but, uh, I really like the city. I like yeah. the people around, and everybody was super friendly. Even if you've seen some less friendly people, it wasn't like you know, like in Eastern Europe, I would say. Okay. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> the, the the weather makes you hard. <laughs> makes hard uh, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So the thing is, uh, yeah, I really like the community of like. I mean, yeah, I was living in Santa Monica, so. So if I would probably go to uh, like other places in in LA, 
to the south or to to east, it probably would be a bit different. But still, even if I was going to France or just going, I love driving. So I was driving around LA during nights. And I remember you were telling me about the places you were going. And I was like, what? (laughs) Why are you over there? Yeah, exactly. I was I was everywhere. Yeah, like Compton were, was my favorite. Yeah, you I, loved going to Compton and Watts, and I was like, yeah. Oh, jeez, I was scared for you. Downey was awesome. There's a the oldest McDonald's in Downey. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. The Long Beach is great. Downtown, I I really like downtown. My wife actually wanted to live in downtown, uh, but it was so far and so expensive and that's the uh, the hate part of that relationship it's like rental prices yeah and just that's cost everyone, of living. everyone hates, hates yeah. the cost of living yeah here. exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. when it's, uh, it's worse now right like it's it's I've heard. higher yeah every every time i have a feeling of like oh, i would lo- it would be awesome to come back to states because i would love to come back uh, there uh mostly 90 percent is the people like you know we had a great team and uh, the community around uh, game dev in la is amazing uh like everyone is around naughty dog santa monica studio uh is that their name right now yeah is it sony santa monica yeah santa monica studio yeah uh, even in Culver City, there's a bunch of places like, uh, oh my god, uh, what was that? Uh, Heart Machine, uh, Hyper Light Drifter guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there are a few places, smaller companies. But uh, yeah, it was great. And yeah, it was uh, exactly. So, yeah, so I miss that. But when I'm thinking about it, how I miss that, I'm checking Westside Rentals and I'm checking my place which was 1500 in uh, 2015 and now it's yeah. two, 2000 <laughs> so i'm like okay yep. 500 bucks every year is 100 okay. more and it's it, it's not the worst there are way worse uh, yeah. you know pay pay raises for here so yeah so i had that thing and when i left uh, i went to cdpr went to my company and I, when i was thinking about coming back so right now with a visa Two years ago, it was fine, but now it's super hard to get visa because there is no O1 visa. From what I've heard, uh, H1B is uh, it's really tough to get, or 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 I've mixed that. Maybe it's O1 that is left. I don't remember, but yeah, but like they are cutting these options, and from what yeah. I've heard, a bunch of companies in LA uh, from game dev. Uh, are quite upset and they are suing the government or something like that to actually because of this we need to do some research on it um yeah 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 i've heard actually it's like you know for for a bunch of companies uh getting people from europe uh is is great to have them actually you know on site instead of like that time difference so right now at your place it's midnight right i have it's past midnight it's almost one yeah, exactly. And I, I just woke up. It's like 9, uh, 10 a.m. almost. Yeah. yeah. So that's a huge difference, right? And then when working, that's the only trouble. Yeah. yeah. It it, it kind of sucks, but it, there is some perks to it because then you have people working 24-7. Yes. Yes. You can right? make so, a factory. So, yeah, you can make the factory keep grinding out. So um, mm-hmm. I was doing outsourcing. So all the people were, that I would work with would be in China, sometimes India, but mostly China. And it would be like, okay, cool. I'm going to send them their tasks for the day. And then in the morning I come and it's like, oh, let me see what's done. Okay, cool. Yeah. Send yeah, them another yeah, batch. Yeah. And 
it was kind of nice um yeah yeah if something goes well with the process and communication it will work but uh, yeah. sometimes uh, i was in places where even when you have two rooms on different uh, floors <laughs> the communication is gone like there's like you know it's like a, a different planet <laughs> so yeah. yeah so yeah if if we can fail something we can fail anything actually yeah um the next question i have for you was mm -hmm. um do you see any current design trends in the industry mm -hmm. that you're like oh this is kind of the industry keeps moving towards this or oh yeah 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 so for example in uh, in general design i think these motivations will be bigger and free to play and actually making people pay for the game that is free i see that like recently rocket league became free to play and they already have million players and actually if the design is well thought out people will you know spend one dollar here and there and actually they actually may they may actually uh, how to say that it could be more profitable for them instead of like selling yeah. full price or just like some kind of like uh, fixed price. That's one thing. And when it comes to level design, I see that there's uh, a lot of catchphrases appearing. Uh, for example, like uh, for last few years, affordance was a new big buzzword. Word. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I love. I, I hate that word, but I love what it means. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I mean, people really confuse that. I was reading Gibson and also there was one more book about the affordances. Even in the book I'm, I'm reading right now, there is there are things about affordances and really people mess that up with visual language. It, it's in conflict. And I was even asking people that are affordance promoters, I would say. And they're like, I don't know, man. Like, what's the difference between visual language and affordance? But yeah, there's yeah I'm difference. trying to figure out that. There's yeah. a difference. Um... It's hard to say it because affordance is such a weird word, but I would say the difference is like a visual language is uh, is repetitive, but it's also unique to your game. Yeah. And affordance is inherited from reality or expectations upon mm -hmm. past experiences. Exactly. It's not unique to the game world, right? Like mm -hmm. So like Mirror's Edge, their visual language of the highlights Mm -hmm. for what you can interact that's visual language it's not affordance exactly right? because yeah. like normally when i see a wall right the affordance of a wall is i can't run up it <laughs> it's a wall it's a blocker <laughs> right yep. in mirror's edge yep. that's not true it's, yeah. it's close yellow i can run up it and yep. you know exactly so yeah, there yeah, you go exactly. use that example yeah boom yeah yeah, so so see, like it's 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 doable. It's like, uh, but still, even people that are really using that word over time, they they confuse that. And well, because because yeah. here's here's the thing, and I'm gonna get a lot of hate for it. So get ready, guys. Mm -hmm. Get ready, world. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of academics that are, that just write lectures on Gama Sutra, or they write you know little blogs, and they're full time writers. They're mm -hmm. not full-time game developers. Mm -hmm. They're full-time students. So they like to use flowery language to make themselves smell, sound really smart yeah. and to make themselves appear to experts. And it's like, cool, your blog's on Gama Sutra. You're an expert, but you're probably not as good as the person who spent 10 years in the trenches and just worked. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's just kind of a shame because I think a lot of students are getting all of their information 
from mm-hmm. the scholars, not the people who are grinding. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like I, I kind of feel a little bit bad for him because I'm like, uh, because the people who are grinding don't have time to go and write a book or yep. write the blogs or yep. make the YouTube yep. videos because yep. they're working, you know, probably because most companies, I don't know, what, how is the crunch? Uh, I'm, oh, that's the next question. I'm not going gonna, yep. gonna to continue okay. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But usually people here, they're working 10 hours when they're in the mm-hmm. heat of it. They're not working eight. They're working mm-hmm. 10 at least, maybe 12, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. 14, maybe 16 hours. And, you know, they come home and then they see their kids are asleep and their wife's asleep and mm-hmm. they just go to sleep and they wake up and repeat, right? Like, that's yes. their life, oh. yeah. right? So I just don't think it's fair because those people don't get any opportunity to kind of share their knowledge with people. That's that's one of the reasons why I started this, because I wanted to get mm-hmm. everyone to kind of share their information with people. Because I was just sick of like reading blogs about stuff and being like, oh, these people don't know what they're talking about. Or they do, but they're missing this whole big, you know, issue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I want to add something to that because you're, I think you're uh, totally right. There's a spectrum of people on the internet <laughs> that sounds crazy but but it's like when 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 it comes to sharing knowledge you have people that i've noticed that are people that won't really have a urge to share something but they don't have a lot of experience and quite often their advice is but what about that what about that uh, how do you understand this like you know, for example leading lines oh my god like people are taking a screenshot of a corridor with no options <laughs> and they are doing these arrows like, i've you know, seen it i've seen yeah. it they're like look at the leading lines and it's like that's yes. just perspective dude that's <laughs> just happens when you're exactly. in a one point perspective yep yeah 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 exactly so that kind of stuff and then there are some places where actually leading line works uh but still that kind of advice is like uh you know yeah not really getting people there and uh, then they're, they're on the other spectrum of that of that spectrum <laughs> is uh there are people that are working just like you said full time for 15 years for example they have like huge knowledge but yeah they go to home they go home and they spend time with their family uh, or they have hobbies and they are not thinking about actually sharing that. It's, you know, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. But what I've found is when I'm doing consulting jobs and then going to different places, I had a chance to meet people that I, I wouldn't meet and I wouldn't had these converse, conversations without getting hired in this company. So the cool thing is I can have my full-time job and doing consulting talking with people just as an employee of their companies. So uh, it was amazing to get so many points of view from, from different peoples and see if they are methods, because actually, you know, even as a consultant doesn't mean that I know everything. I'm also learning even after going through all these books. Uh, every time I'm opening a new book, usually there's a kind of stuff like, oh, this is groundbreaking for me. Like I'm, now I understand how to really engage the player, for example, or understand goals on a different level with connected with rewards, motivation, stuff like that. You know, I'm constantly building my process. So even after meeting these people, 
but are not available for everyone. It's uh, it's it's amazing. Yeah, but still, the that, that thing that actually uh, there is a bunch of vocal people that are can mislead you on the internet. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a real yeah. thing. It's like I don't. It just frustrates me. Um, I don't know. I'm yeah, just but, thinking yeah, off of what, it. Uh, yeah, we cannot do about it anything. So we can't do anything about it. So yeah, so that's so, why you're doing the podcast, actually. Yeah, because I'm. It's I want to. I mean, it kind of like I don't have enough time to like keep keep it up. So I'm yeah. like really trying. I, I want to get a. I want to build up to a guest a week. Right now, I'm doing about a guest a month. So I'm like, it's a monthly podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right yeah. now, but yeah. I want to build it. Do up you know to... story? Uh, do you know story about my podcast? No. So I had uh, I had two episodes, <laughs> and every episode was cool. Like, now we're tied. Uh, now we're tied. Your episode two. So you'll yeah, be exactly. So the thing is, so I've made first like I know like four years ago, then second after a year. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I really want. I had the same motivation as you that actually there are things that should be said, and I can make a show about it on the YouTube, like a channel. And the thing was. You were talking about you know you know how much time I have during a day, uh, and uh, I really thought I will be able to actually record podcast and drop it on the website, and it will be fine. It should be like two hours, but actually post processing, preparing the script, that's way more, and I yeah. couldn't afford it. My well, there, I, mean, I, I had not. That's really why this isn't scripted. There's yeah, no time to script. Very... There's no yeah. time to script it, and. I'm, That's I'm, important though. I'm really trying to figure out how to maximize the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a course on how to make YouTube videos and it's been really helpful because nice. they, they talk about like just a bunch of different like tricks to speed up your workflow to get you constantly making more videos. Um, mm. nice. Okay, so what was the next thing? I wrote, I wrote some notes. So going, going uh, back to the books right? You were talking about information overload and like, you don't really know what to believe anymore because you have all of this information. Uh, like why or like what? Cause like to mm-hmm. me, I'm like, but also I'm not reading 30 books a month or a year, a year, yeah. <laughs> a, year. Yeah. a month is crazy, but a year, yeah. uh, I'm so maybe I don't have that much information. Uh, so maybe that's why I'm not informationally overloaded. But that's that's why I think that's why I think it's so important to not be dealing with everyone's random blog articles where they're talking about leading lines down a corridor. Oh yeah. Because you're like, that's useless, yeah. right? So it's like how do you filter out information, right? Like how do you know if something's good or not? Yeah, I think so, that yeah, would help. I- yeah, you you remind you reminded me that I wanted to t- say that about uh, about it uh, before. So usually I'm reading books when someone actually has something good to say about it. I already landed in a, in a spaces where in, in a, like I was reading books where uh, it was fun for someone, but usually it's like maybe. I'm getting some information from this book. It's not great. I already knew something like that, but it's good. It's way better than watching a like blog article about a person that just uh, started working in the industry and is doing first level and it's like yeah, leading lines exactly. And there are again a spectrum of that and and uh, different things can can. Uh, I've already found a lot of blogs that are really 
there was a block called Cap- Captain by Rank, I guess. I don't remember exactly what it was that, but it was a block by a anonymous uh, game dev manager. Uh, he was not writing about in which studio he is, but there were like horror stories and his solutions to that. And you can see that his seniority was like 10 plus years, maybe even more. So that blog was awesome. And that I went through good. all these articles. Yeah, I went that through all That sounds good. I need to read that. Because yeah. I was thinking about trying to make something like that, but I was like, everyone will know it's me. Everyone will know. I... <laughs> yeah. so, Some people can, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to tell you about this dream I, I have. I have mm-hmm. this idea, right? I want to make a mm-hmm. game studio where it's all anonymous. No one gets mm-hmm. credit at all. No one has mm-hmm. any positions. It's just like X, right? Everyone's name is just like X. Like, like you know, like Whoa. Speed Racer, like Racer X, uh-huh. right? So it's like Artist X, right? Like everyone is just nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And then so people can push the boundaries and do stuff that they don't want to get ruined for. Whoa. Right? Like real heavy art games, like stuff that has a message, right? Because no games right now have messages. They're all like, Whoa. let's just have fun, right? But there's a few games that have like messages, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. Uh, what's a good a good example of it? I think Journey was cool. Yeah, but I, I'm thinking like real heavy, like like Papers, oh. Please. Like Papers, Please. Oh, okay. Or like, um, yeah. That uh, the, the game, I think it's called Riot. The game where you start riots. Oh, yeah, by punching a person in the face and then it yeah. happens. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like yeah, stuff like right. that where it's like an art game, but they're still mm-hmm. fun, but they have like an artistic message that's like, kind of provocative right like ooh, you know ooh, i don't really like i want to make people uncomfortable i don't want to make them uncomfortable i want to allow people the opportunity to make people uncomfortable nice i guess you know i don't know how it would happen though because everyone wants That's credit a- right like like people want credit on a mm-hmm. game like oh i worked on this and they want to be able to show it off right? i mean so yeah to get, i mean to get people to be like hey do you want to work on this game no one gets any credit for it. No one does anything. It's just like an art piece. Because I think that would be really just weird, right? Like, I think that's, I think there's space for that in the, in mm-hmm. the, because everyone would be like, what? Like, what's their new project? And you could get different designers, right? Like, what if Shigeru Miyamoto yeah. wants to make a game like GTA? But he can't yeah. because of Nintendo and it's all sunshine yeah. and rainbows. But there's probably some sick, twisted darkness in there you know <laughs> yeah like something yeah. really messed up that it's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. let it out exactly yeah it's, it's super creative and i think that when someone actually says like i want to be part of that and i'm okay with giving up credits it's fine like maybe if, just like you said maybe not everyone want to do that but I would be. I would love to be part of such a project because I have a bunch of things that it's not like I don't want to ruin my port- portfolio because my portfolio is already ruined. <laughs> so How is it ruined? I haven't shipped anything for for like five years, so it feels well, what like are you I'm talking dead. About? In you know, when Cyberpunk releases, boom. Yeah, I mean, I will have like Nightlight Two, Cyberpunk, uh, Shadow Warrior, maybe, uh, but it will be like you know, thanks to. So, or, you know, consultants or like the guy that was here and talking stuff. So, yeah, uh, so being yeah, a consultant, that's, kind of that's a bad part. Yeah, that's a bad part of being consultant. You you are not being credited. 
even if you are hired by them as a full-time employee, it's uh, up to them how they want to credit you. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's stuff like that. But yeah, going back to that information overload, can I? Because I have something to say here. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a personal thing. It's not like Dirty Books is uh, is doing that kind of stuff. I think it's just. I was not reading a lot. I was playing games a lot for, for years and reading maybe two, four books a year. Only that these mandatory, like Art of Game Design, for example, by Jesse Shell, like everybody was talking is great or level up. Uh, and so I was reading this kind of like uh, super, maybe not basic, basic. but... Yeah, basic. Yeah, something like basic. basic. Yeah, something they're, like they're basic. basic. And that's the thing. That, that's also one of the things that makes me mad. I'm like, it's, it's so... Like, I don't want to say, mm. I guess basic's the best word. I don't want to say high level because high level makes it seem elevated, but mm -hmm. like detached, I guess, like away, like yeah. just simplistic, like. Yeah, simplistic is simplistic. Is great simplistic. Yeah, I remember when when uh, I got actually uh, art of game design from Ian Bowie from, from Treyarch. Yeah. He borrowed the book to me and I went through the, this book and it's great. I And I call that affect, a chocolate. So it's like with eating a chocolate. You feel great at the beginning, like, oh, it's so good, right? But after a few hours, you're like, okay, there's nothing left and what 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 happened actually right i don't feel good about it because like yeah. i'm on, on a diet for example right so with these books you, you read the book and everything is so well written so smart and you've closed the book and after a day someone asks you what was your favorite part and you're like um i don't know like that was that were cards with questions right so that that's that's a part like uh, there's that re effect of uh, feeling smart after reading a book which is not really uh, a real knowledge, but still, even after reading any kind of book, there's that thing that you got a lot of knowledge uh, subconsciously. Uh, so you can implement that, but when someone will ask you like, what was in the chapter about goals? And you're like, oh, I don't remember, right? But still you have something in, in your head about it. So that, that's, a, that's a good part of it. So it's not like, you know, reading is ruined. But uh, with these basic books, these simplistic books, I was like, I had a bunch of seeds planted and I should actually read more about goals because I understand on the basic level how goals work. But if I want to actually make a game, I need to know more. It's not enough. When you want to create a book about game design, yeah. uh, then... It, if you would like to write everything on the really decent advanced level, it would be like 2,000 pages probably, and nobody yeah. would read that. Yeah. So even right now when I'm, I'm doing a level design book for, for already like a few years, and every time I'm adding stuff, adding, 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 it's already three books, three volumes, uh, and uh, I have around 1,000 pages of text, of notes. Wow. Sometimes these notes are duplicates, and sometimes I have a few notes on one topic that I can actually remove. So it will be not 1,000 pages, but still a bunch of stuff to go through. And every time I'm reading a book, I have, I don't, where is it? Uh, a recorder, a voice recorder. And when I'm reading a book and I have something cool, I'm turning on the recorder, recording that sentence or that kind of thought I had. 
and then uh, after a while I'm getting these recordings on my PC, getting the uh, uh, mp3s to the text format and categorizing them. For example, right now when I'm reading these, uh, that, that book about psychology of uh, cognition, I have a lot of notes about navigation. So I type category navigation and the notes. And so when I was, I'll be reading, uh, sorry, when I'll be writing my book, I will be able to actually tell like, okay, I got this information from this book. So it will be more credible when taking stuff from, from, you know, from anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I feel because of like, I'm touching the same knowledge few times. So I'm reading a book. That's the first time. Then I'm getting MP3s to notes. That's the second time. And when I'm doing a chapter in a book, it's the third time I'm getting the same note. So I feel that after three times, I already know something. But with this information overload that we were going to, I think it's a personal thing. It's not like, you know, it's a magical number that people will be like, oh, I don't know, you know, but, but it yeah. causes this effect. I Because of playing a lot of games, I feel that I... I cut my brain lazy. I don't know how to say that, but it's just like yeah. for the at the beginning, uh, reading in Polish was super easy for me. When I started reading in English, I couldn't get a meaning from a sentence. So it took me a bit because it's my, not my first language. Yeah. So it took me a bit of like uh, learning to read in English to actually understand a sentence of like how actually because there are two types of reading. Some people read the every word and actually play that like you know in the brain as like how you would say that and uh, for non-native speakers it, at the beginning is quite troublesome because you don't know where is dot and how to actually you know uh, where the sentence ends and it feels weird and you focus on on that feeling of oh it's weird so you're not reading that exactly as you wish and the second type of reading is actually you read every second or every third word and you are trying to get your own meaning from it which is quite risky because uh, you can get completely different meaning but it's faster and you don't have this result of why it sounds weird because actually it will sound weird it's a mental switch of like how you read so i've tried both methods and actually the first one was better i just had to learn how to read in english uh, and there are books that are written in very simple english like recently i was reading uh, uncertainty in games uh, by brian upton and sorry not by brian upton i don't remember uh situational game design was by brian upton and actually it's written in a very cool simple english like and i understand everything and i know the sentence sentences are not huge sort uh, of super long and uh, the book about psychology is a brain melter because you have like oh hippocampal pieces of yeah. part it's like oh my god like parts of brain the latin names like oh my god yeah so yeah that's the thing and and because of that i feel just overwhelmed by information um because like getting all that stuff into process like my personal design process it's it's so much that i feel because of like i know maybe i'm getting older but i'm forgetting that stuff and i have to put all that thoughts from the books to the paper because without it i would forget it or it will become a mess in my brain so so yeah without these notes i would be in trouble <laughs> wow that's a really good strategy though i like taking the audio recording um i started writing a level design book but i'm not nearly in a thousand pages mm -hmm. holy crap 
I'm like <laughs> maybe 20 pages or so. Okay. More than 20 pages. Um, okay. I can check, but I don't want to open it up right now. Um, but yeah. Uh, okay. Next question. Mm -hmm. Have you done any VR before? Do you have a VR headset? No, I have a maybe not tiny apartment, but I would say that when it comes to uh, finding a spot for it, I wouldn't have enough uh, room. Uh, but I would say that I'm excited by but I'm waiting for next generation of of VR. I think so it's it's that's me. That's not like VR is is bad or VR is not uh, polished enough, but I have a think that if something new appears on the market, uh I'm waiting for uh all the beta bugs I would say get fixed and then just like with new AAA games like, you know, I will buy it after a few months when actually the patch <laughs> 1.22 will be released and actually the game will be really decent uh, because of, I don't have time so it's even better for me because I will hear comments from people it's like oh you should wait you should buy you know yeah like for example when I was young I was not reading reviews or not listening to reviews on YouTube because I was getting these games anyway because I had time and I feel that I have to especially huge games like Assassin's Creed for example and now, actually, I'm more careful, so I'm checking reviews um, if the game is worth that time and also if it's a good time to buy it. And there's a cool guy on YouTube called ACG, Angry Central Gaming, uh, something like that, Angry Centaur yeah. Gaming. And actually, he's scoring the game. He's like, you should buy this game now, you should buy it on sale or just, you know, maybe Ignore not. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so for me, that's exactly what I need. And actually, he's getting really into detail about the games. It's not like, oh, it looks fun. It's cool. It's, yeah. <laughs> but actually, he's getting into details that even a designer wants to know. So I listen to his thoughts about games and sometimes take notes because like, oh, that's that's smart, actually, to think about it that way. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. So when I play games, I always take notes while I'm playing the games. So mm -hmm. I don't do it when I read books. But when I'm playing yeah. games, I take notes. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, they did this, and I'll, I'll write it down. So do you take notes while you play games, yeah. or do you just... Yeah, also recording. Yeah, I have my voice recorder right next to me when I'm playing. And the funny thing is, I recently had a talk on Digital Dragons about why we make bad games. and That was a your lot topic? Of... Yes, yes. It was quite controversial. I... That's very but... controversial. Yeah, so because of... Uh, because of I have my own company, so I'm not shooting into someone's, you know, bucket of cool fame. Uh, I was like, okay, yeah, uh, Mateusz Piaskiewicz, uh, Sentinella Design Consultancy, which is the name of, of, of that company, uh, why we made bad games, which is like, actually the title was Traps and Cans of Worms We Encounter During Designing Games or something like that. And uh, for example, I was talking about uh, not only game mistakes, like loops are broken or something like that, but usually on the designer side. So for example, we forget stuff. Like that, that was one, one of these notes. Or we ignore yeah. vision or we don't have a vision. So all that stuff was actually the very simple basic mistakes of designers working on the game, not literally how the game works. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, uh, and and because of that, like a bunch of my notes were from games that I've played and were really bad. I like to play bad games. 
and take notes. Do you really? Yeah. I know, it's weird, but uh, for me, when I hear that game X, I don't want to, you know, tell titles of, like, recent bad games because, you know, someone work yeah. on that. So, so for example, I've heard that there's a buggy game and there was some kind of, like, dumpster fire stories during production from that game, and I was like, I really want to try it. I, I want to play it. <laughs> Usually people will be like, you know, ah, okay, maybe they will make a patch or something or it's gone already. Uh, but I was like, I want to see that. Yeah, that, that's weird. I don't know why I have it from from where I, I took that habit. But yeah, but I like to play these games and actually see. And I see that it's usually not the fault of the whole team. The game tries to be really good and fails in only certain places. And you can see that clearly that game design is messed up or graphics like performance and this is where from these failures i see i feel that i'm learning a lot instead of like playing great game and yeah. seeing like oh they made it that cool that cool that feels like obvious there's like usually it's it's very hard to innovate right now or be extremely creative because so many games already appeared on the market so, so many games are created so when i'm playing a good game i'm like oh that's smart that's cool that's cool not many notes, but when I'm playing a bad game, it's like, oh my god, that's like, oh, that's a failure. I need to be careful about this. I need to, uh, such a long sidelines are really crazy. It depends on the yeah. editor, of course, right? But, yeah. you know, in the production, what could cause that? Maybe the guys that were doing the level were not aware of um, of this problem of sightlines. So probably there was a miscommunication between uh, different departments, like, you know, the engine or yeah. programmers and artists and designers. So it, you know, that kind of investigation uh, makes me feel really good when I'm playing such games. Yeah, I think sightlines is going to be the new buzzword. It's going to be the, the 2021 buzzword. Thanks. Could be, could be. And when I'm thinking... When I'm thinking about next-gen games, and because of you know PS5 and new Xbox is almost here, so and uh, Unreal Engine 5 also with that kind of unlimited triangles thing. When I'm listening to that, I'm like, oh my god! Like the fidelity of of graphics will go up, and yeah. you know what that means? Like how many people will have to hire to actually? If you have memory, the cost, the cost exactly. for development yes. is going to go up. Yes. But I think there's a saving grace here, and that's photogrammetry. So, oh yeah, and print, yeah, yeah, so and procedural also, yeah. I think I think that you know if you're making a realistic game, I think your production costs could go down if you're very smart about how you build your pipeline. Mm -hmm. um, but the the thing with photogrammetry is is legal, right? So like mm -hmm. from doing outsourcing stuff, you have to change things, right? Like I can't just scan an iPhone and then be like. Hey guys, here's an iPhone. It's perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Because Apple will sue you, yeah. right? So you have to change yeah. it. So if you yeah. want to use photogrammetry, guess what? It's going to be exactly the same as this, mm -hmm. and they can sue you. <laughs> yeah. So you want to? Yeah. You're going to have to change it. So then, if you're going to change it, how much work is it going to take to edit it to be different? Exactly. Versus making it from scratch, and then how much of the cost is going to be there? So it's yeah. going to be a big uh, thing going forward, but I'm I'm pretty yeah. excited. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's yeah. going to make worse. I think it's going to make worse games too. Why? Because the the sight lines are going to be really big, 
right, are larger. So there's going to be these huge environments that I think people are going to have a real hard time to fill with content that's engaging. True. Right? It's going to be beautiful, but it's going to be like, I don't know how many open world games I've played where it's boring because I'm like, well, what's supposed to happen? Like, oh, I'm just walking, you know? Mm -hmm. But then it could be like, that doesn't fulfill my thing because I'm like, you know, as a kid, I'd probably enjoy it more because I have more time. But as an adult, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. just where's fast travel? At? I need the fast travel exactly. button. I want to get to the next moment because I want to be done with the game, which kind of sounds sad, right? It's a little sad. Like, I just want to finish it as opposed yeah. to like, Yeah, enjoy. yeah, that's our lifestyle. Yeah, sadly, that's uh, it's not our decision, <laughs> really. It's how yeah. we live right now, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, but exactly. I, I wish to have more games that are not uh, 60 plus hours and I know five, 25 yeah. square kilometers plus or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. When it comes to fidelity, when you have a, such a huge world, when if you're not using photogrammetry or procedural, uh, like generating stuff procedurally, it would be super hard to actually feel that. Imagine that we have a, uh, process where every designer and every artist is setting up stuff manually, you know, brush by brush or model by model, even with prefabs still, it's yeah. a lot. So we would have to hire a lot of people or, or, or the games will lose actually on the fidelity. So I'm worried about studios that haven't figured out uh, the process yet. So we are going into the uh, next gen where actually communication and smart process would be even more important to sustain the business and then you have chaotic studios where they cannot actually get even simple things done without crunch and without you know uh, and kind of drama this will be really tough for them so i think that uh, this generation the next generation could be um showing even more uh, this kind of leaked information about the studios, how bad stuff is in some places, because really we'll have just more work to do. Yeah. And less at the same time or less time. And yeah. if games will be not more expensive, like I've heard that they some are. games will be set. Yeah, they are. Okay. So, yeah. Exactly. So with that, studios actually will, maybe some studios will have with after hiring new people will actually see that. They are, uh, how to say that, not equal, but, you know, they are getting the same money. They are not losing because of that change. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can see it going two ways where developers are even putting more stuff in. So it makes it feel worth the $70, but that oh. more work that they're putting yeah. in doesn't offset that $10 difference. Mm -hmm. Or uh, it's going to be a race to the bottom because people are like, oh. I don't want to, I don't want to pay $70 for a game. I'm gonna make my mm -hmm. game free to play, and I'm gonna make my game cheaper. I'm gonna make an in I'm gonna call it indie. I'm gonna sell it for thirty dollars. I'm gonna sell it oh, for man. whatever. And then, if you make a game, if you have a really good system, right? Like let's just say your your pipeline is really rock solid, and you're and you have the best tools, and you figured out a way to make a game for cheap, right? Mm -hmm. Um, then you do make your game for cheap, and then you undercut. You sell your game for thirty dollars or something. Yeah. And then everyone who's making the $70 game can't really compete with the $30 price point. Yeah. And then they're going to yeah. lower their price down. And then it Could just, be, yeah. everyone's prices go down and then no one's making any money. The industry crashes because, <laughs> right, like no one's making money. So it's just, 
Like, right? Or yeah. the expectations get so high where all of these indie devs who don't have the ability to make, you know, mm-hmm. even current gen games, right? Now they're getting asked to make these next gen games yeah. and the just the, the, the gap between them is just going to get that much bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I mean, like, it's all... Yeah, consumers will decide here, but uh, yeah. expectations is huge. I recently noticed how much building expectations and how many, how much ex- of expectations people already have based on the studio name, on a designer on this game, or or even when people know nothing about the designer on certain game, it's even better for for the studio because. They don't have expectations. Imagine that you are making a game like uh, Mario, you know, super popular. There's like a bunch of like, it's it's a pop culture thing right now. Mm -hmm. And your publisher asks you to create another game, which is better. And you're like, okay, when you have ideas, that's great. But any when you actually know how to do it. But when you have such a high expectations from people, like they want to have new Mario. And all you can figure is Tetris. It's like, oh my god! <laughs> what do you mean? All you can figure is Tetris. Tetris is up there too. I know, but it's like. Uh, but I get what you're saying. That... I get what you're saying. It's like yeah, it's like yeah, a yeah. musician's first album is a greatest hit, like instant sellout, right? Yeah. It's like um, I want to I, I want to say like Linkin Park's first album, right? It's so mm-hmm. good. Hybrid Theory. You listen to it. Every song is just a hit after hit after hit. Right. Whole album, amazing. And then the next album comes out really good. Not nearly as good. And then the album after that, you're like, what? It's not even close, right? And it's just the right, expectation, right? right? The style changed. Yeah. It's a completely different sound. Yeah. But you're still comparing it to this old sound that you kind of fell in love with, right? So I could totally see that happening, right? I think mm-hmm. I think that happens with almost every franchise. I think it happened with Black Ops, right? Like, Black Ops 3 is really good. But people mm-hmm. are like, oh, it's not as good as 1 or 2. And mm-hmm. it's... Like, yeah, it's true, but why? And I can't point to anything and be like, oh, it's because of this, right? Like, there's no good reason. It's just nostalgia. It's just this thing we've built up. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. There are certain memories that people have with Black Ops 2, even me, when I was playing on, like, uh, with with, uh, with guys at Techland. We had a clan, and, oh, my God, it was it was, there was a bunch of, like, emotions of my, like, private life uh, when I... When I see levels like Cargo, for example, I remember a bunch of funny moments uh, or Nuketown. Uh, and when you release a new game and I don't have these memories with 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 uh, with new levels, I'm I'm feeling like okay, maybe we'll get there. And imagine that one one of the guys from our team uh, start playing Battlefield, and so we were playing only three of us, and it it was a downhill from that moment because it was not the same so even if the game was great oh no i was no i had no we had no chances to get these same level of emotions and and fun from the game because of what happened on our side it was not a game's fault um because the game still was engaging we were playing it was like you know one one decision so with black ops 2 was uh yeah i i have a bunch of these memories and oh my god it's such a good game yeah yeah all right. Well, um, I think we should call it. I think we should end it on this because we're hitting All the right. two-hour mark. Yeah. Um, I definitely enjoyed our chat and catching up with you. Hopefully yeah, we can do awesome, this again because I I really enjoyed this time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm hoping everyone else will watch it and enjoy the time too, because I think this is pretty yep. dope interview. Um, All right, awesome. Thank you. No, I really like it. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, is there anything you want to? Can can people still get your digital dragons talk? Should so I it will be. It will be available. There are two talks from Dragons. Uh, one was Digital Dragons Academy, but it's sadly only in Polish. So uh, it was very local. And the second one, uh, the uh, Cans of Worms, will be available after... It should be available like two days ago, but they are uh, releasing one episode a week, maybe. And I was not, you know, first in the line. So one day this video will appear on on their YouTube channel for sure. Because I was actually I was asked by them if we should do that, and I said like, yeah, go ahead, for, uh, no problem. And uh, yeah, you, you will be able to find that there. And uh, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, thanks for mm -hmm. joining me. Thanks for being yeah, here. I really appreciate it. Um, if you start your podcast back up, definitely have mm -hmm. me as a guest. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, I, I probably it, uh, I'm not going into podcasting because of like you know lack of time, but yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But of course, it will be great to have a uh, talk with you, and maybe we'll continue that even uh, somehow like offline. I mean, not, not like chatting, but yeah. you know, offline like um, on Skype. So yeah, awesome. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, thank you.